You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Thursday, October 20th, and I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor Paige Van Horn from Denver, PBH. How's it going, my friend? It's good, man. It's been good. a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. with you. Yeah, yeah. Good to see. Good to see you, and good to listen, Good to hear you, my friend. We are also Likewise. joined by fellow contributor Chad Plummer from Cleveland. CP, what's the word from the two one six? How are we doing, gentlemen? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all good here. Delicious. Uh, how's everybody there? San good. Fran, how's the, uh, you feeling better, Z? Yeah, thanks, man. I think I'm through the worst of of the COVID. Uh, thanks for asking, man. It's good to hear your voice, CP. Yeah, boys. All right. Well, let's get cracking. We are here this evening to preview number two Ohio State's matchup with the Iowa Hawkeyes this coming Saturday in the Horseshoe. The game is a noon Eastern kick on Fox with Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt on the call. And of course, Plummer's girlfriend, Jenny Taft. The line is (laughs) the line is Ohio State minus 30. Wow. And the over under is 49 and a half. High State's a 30 point favorite. The over under is only 49 and a half. Ohio State leads the all-time series between these schools, 47 to 13 with three ties. Uh, This game, in my opinion, guys, has been one of the huge casualties of Big Ten expansion. Ohio State and Iowa have only played twice since 2010. Now, they were supposed to play in the the ill-fated 2020 season and uh, did not end up playing. So they've only played twice since 2010. We remember the 2017 disaster in Kinnick, the shocking 55 to 24 blowout that we've... I don't remember that at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've rehashed that one over and over again on this pod. So erased from the memory. Yeah, I will spare you guys uh, any more analysis on that. But it is funny that that is the last memory we have of these two teams playing five years ago in 2017. And then 2013... Uh, Ohio State won that game 34 to 24 in the horseshoe. Before that, the Buckeyes and Hawkeyes played back-to-back classics in 2009 and 2010. Both were really close games. Buckeyes won an OT in the horseshoe in 2009. They they actually clinched the Big Ten title with that win that season. And then a year later in Iowa City, Terrell Pryor led the Buckeyes on a game-winning drive in the final minutes uh, on the way to a 12-1 season for the Buckeyes. They finished in the top five. That was the 2010 season. So Iowa and Ohio State played a ton of great games over the decades, boys. And I'm always going to remember that 1985 game in the horseshoe when the Buckeyes took down number one Iowa in the rain. It's just a damn shame these programs don't play more often. However, I don't think we're going to be getting peak Iowa in this matchup. I mean, this is not one of Kirk Ferentz's better teams. The Hawkeyes come into this game at three and three losers of their last two they lost 27 to 14 in connect to michigan back on october 1st they lost nine to six to illinois in champaign on october 8th guys you're gonna love this (laughs) iowa won their season opener over south dakota state seven to three pbh take a guess how iowa scored those seven points uh three safeties and they just gifted them a point (laughs) close close two safeties it was a three to three game at the half and the Buckeyes pull away in the second half on the strength of two safeties (laughs) seven to three I mean you guys my kind of game actually sorry I missed it I mean you can't make this stuff up 
it's it's crazy how terrible they are on offense. We're going to look at that in a second. Now, the Hawkeyes come into this game with at least statistically one of the best defenses in the country. They are seventh nationally in total defense. They're second nationally in defensive yards per play. They're third nationally in pass defense, allowing about 150 yards per game. Though I think it's fair to say the Hawkeyes haven't faced a passing offense yet that even resembles anything close to what Ohio State's going to bring into this game. Hawkeyes are led on defense by Jack Campbell. He's probably going to be the best linebacker the Buckeyes will see during the regular season. Campbell is Iowa's leading tackler. And cornerback Riley Moss is another name to watch in this game, boys. He is a uh, he was a first-team All-Big Ten selection last season in uh, 2021. So the best offense Iowa has faced so far was Michigan's. And I think they did a pretty good job against the Wolverines. They held them to 327 total yards. Iowa limited that potent Michigan rushing tack to only 4.1 yards per attempt. So I think the Iowa D is probably legitimately good and should provide a so- at least a solid test for the Ohio State offense. Now, the Iowa offense, that's a completely different story. <laughs> Listen to this, guys. They are dead last. 131st nationally in total offense, averaging a putrid yes. 239 yards impressive. per game. Can you believe that, CP? 239 yards per game. <laughs> <laughs> they are 130th in offensive yards per play. So second to last, they average just over four yards per play, snooze fest. And uh, they're 127th in scoring offense, averaging just under 15 points a game. That is shocking how bad they are on offense. Now, if you look up the word nepotism in the dictionary, you're likely going to find a picture of Iowa offensive coordinator, Brian Ferentz. He's of course the son of Iowa head coach, Kirk Ferentz. He's the worst offensive coordinator in major college football. Uh, he might be the worst assistant, period, in in college football. And he only remains employed at Iowa because he's his daddy's the head coach. I mean, man, you guys got to feel for Iowa fans. I mean, watching paint dry is more entertaining than watching their team on offense. The Hawkeyes are led by fifth-year senior Spencer Petrus at quarterback. Seems like he's been there for 10 years, right? He's actually a three-year starter for the Hawkeyes. He's completing a career-low 54% of his passes, 54%, and a paltry 5.8 yards per attempt. Through six games, he's got two touchdown passes <laughs> and three INTs. And of course, Iowa's leading receiver, PVH, surprise, surprise, a tight end. Tight end. <laughs> That's right. Sam Laporta <laughs> leads the Hawkeyes with 279 yards on 30 receptions. PVH, what do we like to say about offenses whose best player is a tight end? I'm not worried. That's basically it. Uh, no, yeah. If it's your best offensive player, um, you got problems. You're beating a team like a high state. So, PVH, I want to kick this to you. How do you see this matchup for the Buckeyes? And are there any areas that you'll be paying special attention to in this game? Not really. I mean, I it kind of reminds me, you know, of uh, the Toledo game from a defensive standpoint, right? They came into that game this year against us with a highly ranked defense. They did. But I just wasn't buying it, right? Like you haven't played anybody. Mm-hmm. Michigan is one dimensional. Come on, we'll get to that probably later in the pod. They run the ball. Everybody knew that game was going to be, you know, 27 to 17. Right. Um, just the complete ineptitude on offense is, it, it, it's just not even, Painful. I, I, just don't, you, I, I just don't even know how, that's possible at a, at a school like Iowa. But, you know, here's the funny thing. I have a friend here in Denver, went to Iowa, and, you know, I was like, you got to kind of be, like, over this Kirk, Kirk Ferentz thing, right? Like, it, it, no, not at all. They're, they like, totally – they just accept it. They, <laughs> they, they figure this is their fate. 
Um, they don't expect much more than that. And I'm like, yeah, but you're Iowa, man. Like every eight years, don't you think you should, you know, contend for a big 10 title and maybe make the playoff. Yeah. And I think they do in the back of their minds, but you know, at this point that I think they've just thrown in the towel. Um, it's just, <laughs> they've it's, learned to embrace the punt, big right? Team can be that bad. It's <laughs> yeah. astonishing. It's astonishing. Yeah. I guess they've just learned to embrace the punt, right? Like, Hey, you know, the greatest. Yeah. Playing football. I mean, I was, yeah, I was thinking like, is it going to be a, if it's a blizzard and we haven't mowed the new turf and, <laughs> you know, the wind is howling by, you know, like 70 miles an hour, like, okay, maybe they can, they can keep, make this a game, but that's the only possible way right. um, that I, that I see it. And then, you know, uh, tongue in cheek, right? Like I completely erased that Iowa game from my memory, but I'm <laughs> the, sure the Buckeyes haven't, right? No. So, and they're going to be salty coming back. I mean, and then to your other question, right? It's just, man, it'd be great to see them running at full strength, right? And totally. You know, some reports are saying all those guys are going to be back. I'm sure we'll probably get into it a little bit. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, the defense, we should, okay, here's a question. What's the over-under on three and outs for Iowa in this game. What do you think, CP? Over, uh, under on three and outs, what would you set it at? I'm going to put it at 12. You want the over or under? What you do you think want? they'll get that many possessions? I guess. No, I'm going to say that's the over, under 12. Do you want the over or the under? Well, I would take the under for sure, dude. Yeah. I mean, no, I. so you think we're only going to get 12 is a little high? How about nine? Dude. Maybe the better question uh, yeah. is, what's the over/under on Iowa first downs? There you go. I like it. <laughs> uh, Set it at nine. I don't know. Ten. Oh, nine. I'm definitely taking the under. I was going to put it at seven, six, <laughs> six point five. Yeah, it's pretty bleak for them, and and with the way Ohio State's playing on de- on defense too. I mean, uh, the combination of those two things, I think, it's going to make for a very very long day for the Iowa offense. CP, how about you? What do you what are you expecting from this game? Are there going to be air, special areas that you're going to be paying attention to in this game? What, how do you see this? Well, you know, I, I I've noticed that Day and every you know time he's in front of the camera or in front of the microphone, he always happens to mention and discuss you know at length about you know the the scar from 2017. Yeah, good word. Um, I feel like he's going to like this fucking like state, like the shoe on fire. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's going to be any like love lost between him and France after the game. I think they're going to score as many points as they oddly can with Stroud in there until they have to take him out. And it's going to be a barn burner just up and down the field. I want to see, are we going to see Jackson Smith and Jigba in this game? The coaching staff has been pretty coy about his availability. You've been getting speculation from the beat writers that he's going to be coming back, that he's been targeting the Iowa game to come back. Uh, but I think this could be a Fisher cut bait moment for Smith and Jigba. If he's not able to play after sitting three straight games plus an off week, I worry that we might not ever see him again in a Buckeye uniform. I mean, he could very well shut it down for the rest of the season and then just get ready for the draft. I hope I'm wrong about that. But I think I this is a pretty I, big moment for Smith and Jigba. I mean, I really, really hope we see him out there at full strength and, and at least given us, you know, in the area of 30 snaps. What do you think, CP? I, you know what? I, I mean, just from listening to that kid, everything I've read about him, I, I mean, you know, he knows he's going to be a baller in the NFL and probably like, you know, but mm-hmm. I think like he wants that national championship, man. That's like, you know, like, 
But so I, regardless if he plays in this game or not, I, I think he'll definitely be back. You think he'll be Penn back State at some point? Michigan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He'll be back at some point. Maybe I'm being a little dramatic about it, but to me, I just worry that you know after three games off and then an off week. If he's still not ready to go, hamstrings are tricky, man. Those things just linger oh, forever. Yeah. I don't know, PBH. Well, what about you? What yeah, do you think? I think honestly, maybe the more logical thing is he does try and play and he aggravates it again. And then for sure, you're probably not seeing it. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to be watching that really closely. And then I think the other thing with Smith and Jigba, should he he come back? Is he turn out? Does he turn out to be kind of somewhat oddly disruptive to what? the offense has been doing right. I mean, you have these receivers now have settled very nicely into their roles and now Smith and Jigba comes back. He's going to need his touches. Could it somehow disrupt? I don't, I think probably not, but could it somehow end up disrupting them on offense? I don't know. I'm just looking for things. I mean, I'm reaching to Stover and like, you know, I mean, like, He's like sharing the wealth, which is so amazing to see. Right. And that's one of the beautiful things about the receivers that are, you know, why we've got the number one and two committed for next year. And then like in 2024, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Like the way that like day has found to dish that ball out to some of the best, you know, talent in the country. Very balanced. Everyone gets to eat. Yeah, which which they haven't had trouble. So so yeah, again, I'm I'm reaching for things here to kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> I hope dramatize this game. Me too. Me too. Uh, so, you know, I've been thinking about, okay, so what is the formula for Iowa to hang around in this game? And it, certainly it starts with its defense. Uh, this is probably the best defense Ohio State will have seen so far. They do have some NFL dudes on that unit. And, you know, C.J. Stroud has thrown an interception in each of his last three games. So maybe that's something to watch. Um, and I think Iowa is going to need probably at least three turnovers to keep this game close. Um, Ohio State has been much better on the penalty front since the start of the season. They're now 35th nationally in penalty yardage. They began the season down in the 100s. But we have seen some untimely penalties, especially at cornerback and coverage, extend drives for Ohio State opponents this season. And we know look, that defense has been vulnerable at cornerback. So in my mind, how Ohio State does in the turnover and penalty departments and then the play of Denzel Burke, Cam Brown, and J.K. Johnson at corner will determine how comfortably the Buckeyes win this game. And then finally, I'm hoping that we can get through this game without a minor injury to Trey Henderson and or Mayan Williams, right? It seems like it's it's been hard to keep both these these guys healthy. So that's the other thing I'm going to be watching for in this game. PBH, let me kick this back to you. Anything else, uh, any area, any position, any player in particular that you're going to be watching uh, or paying special attention to in this game? You know, maybe, maybe Jordan Hancock, right? They're saying he Ooh, might play. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, you know, on the other hand, I'm not, you know, as worried about this. You know, the cornerbacks haven't been great. Um, well, and I don't know. They, they've had their moments where, you know, but it, it's not like they're getting burnt. Right. It's just like, sometimes, Hey, guys make catches. That's true. Um, and again, so, so basically what we're doing is we're nitpicking, just trying to find things that are <laughs> concerned about this team. Um, but you know, uh, it seems like they're kind of excited to maybe have that guy back. So maybe they know something that we don't know. And yeah. so he would be one guy that I would be, um, you know, excited to see get Absolutely. some serious snaps on Saturday. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, I uh, from, you know, all the folks that I read and listen to, Hancock was going to figure in big in the cornerback room and he was going to compete for, for a starting spot. I think Ryan Day said that a couple of weeks ago. He actually admitted that, that they had expected Hancock to, be, to compete before his injury for a starting role. 
So my, my worry about that is what can we realistically expect from a young player who has barely played and who's been injured the entire season? Um, I guess, you know, if he can go and you can get him into the rotation slowly, maybe by the time we face Michigan, Big Ten title game, he can start to be a factor. How about you, CP? Any other areas that you're going to be watching in this game on Saturday? Well, I'm excited to have Michael Hall back 100%. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah, that's a that's a big. Uh, did, he's a difference maker. To, to that point, did you see that? Um, I think did I read this right? Did he only played seven snaps? Yes, that game, and he had three two sacks, and half, two and a half sacks. Yeah, that, yeah. I didn't realize that. That's, that's insane. <laughs> they brought him in on passing downs on seven different uh, seven different downs, seven different uh, snaps, and PFF had credited him with three sacks, but I think the official record showed him with two and a half and seven snaps. I mean, that's that's. Absurd. And that's a really good point, CP. He is a difference maker. I mean, when he steps on the field, you immediately feel his presence. And I love his fire, right? I love, I love, he's nasty. I, I love it. He's just, oh, yeah. I love it when he kicks the air after a tackle. <laughs> yeah. that, I love that. That That's, I always want to see that out of a, a, a an angry fat man uh, in the middle of the defensive line, kick the air. Sack dance. <laughs> I love it. He 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 must have been the alpha dog that Larry Johnson was talking about in his room in the preseason, uh, because he's got the total package: the size, the athleticism, the strength, and then that nasty disposition. Man, so good. I, good on you, uh, CP, for that one. That is huge. That he's back 100. percent All right, let's turn to our concernometer scores here, boys. I'm going to fire up the concernometer. PVH, give me your concernometer readout for this game. I wrote down 2.5, but I'm going to say 1.5. I mean, okay. Like you said earlier, they're like, what is the scenario where they can hang with us? I mean, there's got to be a lot of turnovers, maybe weather, something just perfect storm. Yeah. Like, Too many black pellets popped in my head. Yeah. I won't <laughs> even say it out loud. Right. Like, um, cause I don't want to jinx it. Um, an alien abduction. No, maybe. you know, it's injury. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, to, but I'm going to stop there because I don't want to jinx it. I'm knocking it's on just, wood you know, as you say a that. Really plausible <laughs> scenario. Um, so I, you know, it, and it's it it's too bad, right? Because you know Iowa should be they should be better than this. They should. I agree. You know, and you're right. Like this is one of the games that I do miss because you you, you know you look at our schedule today. Eh, it's not been that great. You know, it's like God damn it. Some of you Big Ten teams need to hold up your pull your weight. Yeah, hold- fucking better. You're just yeah. bad, and it's not okay. I, I, I totally agree. CP, how about you? Give us your concernometer score. Um, I'll go with a one. A one. Okay. <laughs> one. That's I mean, it. Like, right. Exactly. I mean, really, dude. Like, uh, I'm not talking about enough said. <laughs> best receiver. I mean, they're like, the worst okay. Damn offense in college football. Yeah. So, right. Um, I'm not really concerned. And to be honest with you, you made a point earlier, Z, about you know they they haven't faced anything like this offensive like artillery they're going to see on yeah. Saturday. So, yep, uh, their heads are going to be spinning on their shoulders. Yeah, I was listening to Doug, our our buddy Doug Le Maurice, and he thinks that this could this could be kind of a, you know, a uh, an inflection point for the Iowa program. Uh, he, he really thinks Ohio the Ohio State offense is just going to overwhelm Iowa and make it uh, you know plainly visible to the Iowa brass Iowa fans just where how far they have to go to catch up. 
to start playing, you know, football in the modern era, which I thought was an interesting take. Uh, I'm with you, PBH. One, 1. 1.5 is my concernometer score, although I could very easily go to a 1 and, and you know, your score, uh, CP. Going to be tough sledding for the Iowa offense. And I just don't think the Iowa defense can bank on a lot of mistakes from the best offense in the country, the most efficient offense in the country. I think even if the Iowa defense is at its best, they're still going to give up 28 to 31 points to this Buckeye offense. There's just too many weapons for the Hawkeyes to defend, especially if Jackson Smith and Jigba plays in this game. All right, fellas, let's go to score predictions. PVH, give me your score prediction. 49-14. And I'm only giving them uh, uh, the, the last seven because we're going to be playing our second team in the fourth quarter, which is another thing that I think nobody was really talking about, like nationally and CJ. Like the guy only plays three quarters. <laughs> right. our, our entire starting, you know, uh, on both sides of the ball is out of every game. And at the end of the third quarter, it seems like we give up a late one. Uh, I'm also yeah. taking the over on this, so I'm kind of, you know, hoping they can put 14 on, but 49 to 14. I like it. CP, how about you? Uh, I'm going to go 59-10. Wow. 59-10. And I don't even want to give them that touchdown, but <laughs> I, I feel like we always end up like, you know. We give up one early, we give yeah, up one late. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I got to give them at least one. 59-10. Yeah, you know, J- Jim Knowles will live with, because he's aggressive and he likes to create explosive plays on defense, I think he's willing to live with, you know, uh, a blown, I don't want to say blown coverage, but, you know, a jump ball or, you know, or you send the house and they beat the blitz and, you know, he's willing to live with one or two of those in a game as long as his right. defense is getting home and, and creating sacks and creating turnovers. So I could, I could totally see that's how Iowa gets one on us. Yeah. And I think, you know, the beautiful thing about like us not having to worry about years past, like with, with Knowles, it's like he's going to adjust and that's not going to happen yeah. again. Yes. Yeah. I, I've got Ohio State 42 to nine. I think the Iowa defense. Yeah, may, <laughs> I think the Iowa defense may be able to keep it relatively <laughs> close for a while. But but I mean, over four quarters, that Ohio State offense, I think it's just going to wear the Hawkeyes down. I mean, that defense is going to spend a lot of time in the field. I just don't see a realistic path to any offense for Iowa in this game outside of what I just mentioned. Right. You know, Jim Knowles getting a little too aggressive and given you know, basically giving Iowa a score. And the Buckeye defense just it, it has a it has a huge talent edge in that matchup as well. So 49 is my final, and uh, you know onward and upward then to Penn State the following weekend. So look, it's our job as Ohio State fans to keep a watchful eye on Michigan. That's what we do, and I'm curious to know what you guys think of the Wolverines at the midway point. Michigan is idle this week. They pummeled Penn State 41 to 17 last Saturday. Actually, I'd like to get your get your takes both on Michigan and Penn State. PBH, I'm going to start with you. What did you see in that game last Saturday that stood out? And in your opinion, how much of a threat does Michigan pose to the Buckeyes this season? So is this assuming I watch the game or should I just make something up? <laughs> oh. <laughs> did you watch the highlights at least? Uh, no, I, you know, I missed, uh, the first half and the second half, they totally pulled away from them. Hey, I I think Michigan's pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw some stat, you know, like recruiting rankings, like they got a lot of talent on that team. They got a lot of four-star players on that team. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think they're 
white good. Do I think they're a high state good? No. Um, but they're not the pushover that they once were. Um, they, you know, Edwards and um, Corum, they're legit, man. Yeah. They're, they're definitely good players. So is that offensive I, line. That's a good offensive yeah, line too. You know, they're definitely, they're definitely much improved. I would much rather be a high state. I'd much rather have our team. I'll take them every day of the week, twice on Sunday. And I think we're going to beat them. That being said, that's, this isn't the old Michigan of three years ago. Mm-hmm. Who knows about Penn state? I honestly, you know, the only game I've seen is the, you know, the little bit that I watched last weekend. Um, so how good are they? You know, I, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this and you kind of referenced it um, in, in the beginning, man, people are getting on that Michigan bandwagon mm-hmm. in a big, big way, which is great. I love it. Get on everybody. Get on that fucking bandwagon, bring it on <laughs> and bring it to Columbus on Thanksgiving and let's take it, you know, let's, let's go. Um, I, so yeah, they're, they're, they're a good, they're a good team. Yeah. Are they, are they, a top four team. Uh, let's let's not get over our skis just quite yet. Yeah, let's let's not get crazy. CP, how about you? What are you seeing over there at Michigan? How, how did I how... mean? They got some ball players, man. I yeah. you know they. I mean, I, they were good last year. I mean, mm-hmm. you know they <laughs> they were they kicked our ass. Yeah, I mean, you know, but I, I they're definitely you know I think they're definitely a top seven college football team right now. Um, maybe you know top five you know but they're they're up there they've got some great players they've got some really big boys you know like on their defense that one defensive end i think it's number i don't know his names i think it's number number 90 maybe um beast that guy's fucking huge hank stram are you talking about hank what's his name? Is that him i don't know yeah but i mean that jj mccarthy he looks pretty good obviously he is the the better of the uh the tube of Cade mcnamara um it's just really hard for me to say anything positive about Michigan. <laughs> I know it thinks. I can't stand Jim Harbaugh. He's the biggest fucking bozo in yeah. fucking Rio. I mean, but <laughs> they they're good. I mean, you know, I mean, it's going to be a ball game. Can I can I predict what you're going to say, Zach? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to hear I this. Love it. You're not buying it. Well, so I, if you listen to the Sunday pod, I um, I do think that run game is real. I, I think Corum is having a Heisman caliber season. I think actually that they, they have two two really dangerous backs with home run hitting ability that that can you know I mean both Corum and Donovan Edwards had sixty plus yard touchdown runs last week against a pretty good Penn State defense or what we think was a pretty good Penn State defense. Uh, it what did stand out to me about that game was that Michigan had five trips into the Penn State red zone and had to settle for four field goals. Once they got into the red zone, um, they were pretty vanilla, pretty predictable. And also what stands out to me is that Harbaugh seems unwilling to kind of um, take the bubble wrap off of J.J. McCarthy and you let him you know, do things with his arm. I, well, look, I mean, we saw a couple of pretty big mistakes by McCarthy in that game, a terrible pick six. 
And then he had another uh, pass that he actually completed somehow, but it was a pass he should have never thrown. He threw it off his back foot. He was under pressure. The ball hung in the air forever as a total wounded duck and somehow found its way into the arms of a Michigan receiver. But then they panned to Jim Harbaugh. And I mentioned this on Sunday's pod. <laughs> they panned to Harbaugh on the sidelines and the guy was like, "Woo!" I mean, he, he knew that he had gotten away with, uh, you know, he's very lucky that that ball wasn't intercepted. So, um, you mentioned it, Paige. They're very one-dimensional on offense. And I think they think, uh, because it's probably true in most of the games that they'll play, that they can run the ball at an elite level against anybody. But my question is, what happens when they run into a, a defense that has the personnel to limit the run game? What is J.J. McCarthy uh, as a quarterback? Then what can he do with his arm? Can they put the game on J.J. McCarthy's arm? And I don't know that we've seen that yet. He's completing 77% of his passes so far this season, but they're mostly very safe, short throws. I saw some graphic and, I, and I, I'm going to misquote it, but you know, he, his completion percentage of throws over 20 yards or something is very, very low and he doesn't throw a lot of them. So I think if you want to compete at the highest level, and look, we, we just saw this in the Bama-Tennessee game last week, elite quarterback play. Uh, we saw it in the USC... Utah game, uh, elite quarterback play with quarterbacks that could throw down the field. And for some reason, Harbaugh doesn't want to show us what McCarthy can do with his arm. And I don't know. Some people are saying, well, they're just saving it for Ohio State. I don't know if I believe that. Um, well, I mean, coming out of high school, he had one of the best arms. I, I mean, yeah, it, we've seen flashes. There's no question about it. And do I think he's got higher upside? Then, then the other kid, his name escapes me now, uh, the, the other quarterback? McNamara. McNamara, thank you. Uh, yes, he does. There's no doubt about it. And and I think he's got a much higher upside as a runner too. But, you know, I, I just think you're going to have to be able to keep pace with Ohio State throwing the football. And look, I mean, um, I guess my feeling on, on the Ohio State defense in that game uh, is that is going to be the ultimate litmus test of our toughness. That's been a big theme in the Woody all season and during the off season is toughness. Okay, well, we're going to find out. I think Iowa may tell us a little bit about, I think they do have a tough defense. They're going to test us a little bit on that side of the ball. But the ultimate final exam in that area is going to be against Michigan. So, um, but at the same time, look, Jim Knowles, if you can't devise a defense to uh, stop uh, an offense, that's going to be very deliberate about running the ball with a quarterback that hasn't been able to show us much in terms of making throws down the field. I mean, come on, <laughs> right? I mean, we would hope that Jim yeah. Knowles could devise a defense to stop that. Um, I, I would if, hope so. But if you're Harbaugh, right, and you're winning these games, you're winning them comfortably, right? And you know you're just relying on the run game and you're right. just – uh, why why show your hand I, I see that perspective now on the other hand you could make the argument like okay if we really want to to you know make a run and beat a high state and be in the playoff then you know maybe you should be you know giving mccarthy more opportunities to throw the ball down because yeah. you know you're going to have to do that but that's not his nature that's not the way he would coach right it's that's probably true. one game at a time Right. Whereas it feels like we're we're kind of playing every game that's right in front of us and prepping for Michigan the entire time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's become a one game season at this stage. We, I, we're looking at the schedule before the season started. I thought, hey, man, like, you know, high state right out of the gates. You got Notre Dame and Wisconsin 
you know, first four weeks of the season, neither of those ter- two teams turned out to be any good. Uh, I thought Iowa would be way better than than they are, although, you know, they still have to go out there and beat them. Um, and then, you know, you got Penn State on the road and we'll talk about Penn State in a second. Um, but it very much does look like Ohio State, Michigan on a collision course. They are a cut above everybody else in the Big Ten. It's not even close. It's Ohio State, Michigan, and then a very, very distant third. Whoever that team is, maybe it's Illinois. Maybe they're the third best yeah, team be in, in the in the uh, in the conference. So yeah, I do have my questions about them. Now I'm not going to deny it. Look, the the offensive they're better, much better than I thought they would be, given the losses they that they had from last year's team. Right? You you lose, you know, everything that they did on on defense. Um, you know, you lose Hassan Haskins in the run game and they look just as potent, if not more in the run game. They look just as good along the offensive line. I think they've got a quarterback with more upside, though. I do have questions about whether or not uh, he can make good decisions, avoid catastrophic mistakes and actually make throws down the field, uh, you know, when he really needs to. I mean, I think the, the jury is still out uh, in those areas. Um, so and and like you guys. <laughs> I mean, look, it's it's hard for me. <laughs> excuse me. It's hard for me to to concede anything to Michigan, right? I of course, of course I don't want to give them any props if I don't have to. PVH, anything else you want to say about Michigan? Or actually, let me ask no. you this. Penn State. What's your view of Penn State coming out of that that game? Chronic underachievers. Oh my God. Right? For I sure. Mean, a lot of a lot of hype all the time with it. And I watch, yeah, well, whatever. Um, yeah, they just they never I mean, the the Franklin era has been, yeah, they're, you're better, but um, I guess the question is, what do you want to be Penn State, right? Is it that you're a pretty good team in the Big Ten, or do you think that you should, and I would think that they would say that they should contend for a playoff spot every year, and they, they're not even sniffing it. So there's chronic underachievers. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, let me throw some numbers at you. Franklin is now 2-14 and 14 against AP top 10 teams. And he's 0-12 against the AP Top 10 since 2016. So that magical 2016 season that they had where they won the Big Ten, they beat Ohio State and Wisconsin as Top 10 teams. And since then, he's been 0-12. And as a program, Penn State is 2-20 against the AP Top 10 since 2008. And what's even more bleak for Penn State fans, and I said this on Sunday's pod, Franklin is 16-12 in his last 28 games overall, and he's 10-11 in his last 21 Big Ten games. So, I mean, was this a top 10 win for Michigan? In air quotes, top 10? I, I, I'm just waiting for the wheels to fall off. I mean, Minnesota visits Happy Valley this this Saturday. I haven't looked at the line in that game. And Minnesota, you never know what you're going to get with the Gophers. But man, I would put some money on the Gophers. I would not be surprised if we see the you know, the, the mid, the, the collapse by Penn state, right. They look great through their non-conference. They play nobody. They play a couple nobodies early on in the big 10 schedule. And then the first good team they play, uh, they lose. And then they, the wheels come off. And I, I'm kind of expecting that with Penn state starting, starting this Saturday. How about you CP? What's your view of, of Penn state? Am I being too harsh on them? I don't think so, man. They blow. I think Franklin's going to get fired. I think Matt Rule, as I said on our text, oh yeah, down to Carolina. He's from State College. Oh yeah, um, good point, man. I think they're gonna, even though he's getting paid eight hundred and forty thousand um, dollars, oh, I think a month, um, <laughs> like like he can't until he dies in, in perpetuity. <laughs> <laughs> That's his buyout, right? Yeah. Black, crazy like deal. Um, I'm not quite sure if he go like I know he can't go to the NFL, but 
Um, it just makes sense. I mean, what is frankly like? What is he doing? Like, I mean, like, like seriously. What's the plan um, there? I agree. What What is his vision for this program? What's the plan? Who are they? What do they do well? What What is their identity? Um, really, I, I I'm uh, what like, can you, yeah I'm not real sure what that is any longer yeah. because you know what I mean like used to be like oh, I didn't know linebackers were good like you know this and that they always had a really I mean they're not Singletary is that his name Singletary the running back uh, I'd have to check yeah I, I I'm you not know, sure but, yeah I mean he was supposed to be you know fantastic I mean but like I just they're they're like average at best I mean you know that quarterback. He's like yeah, Singleton. Nicholas Singleton is the name of the player. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Clifford. I mean, he does. He's not doesn't impress me at all. Oh God. Yeah. And I said this on Sunday's pod. You, 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 we yeah, as Ohio State fans complained about four years of JT Barrett. Imagine four years of Sean Clifford, which is what oh they're in the middle of right now. Right. He, he's he's a four year. Well, starter. yeah. So that means you're not recruiting anybody better than him. That's essentially what that's coming down to. Or you have no idea how to evaluate talent. So uh, Drew Aller, or the, the kid talent. behind him, is a five star uh, player that is supposed to be, you know, is, is supposed to be the savior of the program, I guess. But yeah, I I just I don't know what they are under Franklin. I had no con- page. You and I talked about this. Uh, you know, we talked on Saturday before the game started, and we talked about this game. I thought it would actually be close, but I had no faith in James Franklin to win this game. No faith in Sean Clifford at all. And, um, you know, we, we saw that bear out. It was the, one of the weirdest games I've ever seen, just in terms of Michigan's statistical dominance in the first half. But um, they couldn't convert in the red zone. And then Penn State had two kind of fluky plays that that led to two touchdowns. This, uh, uh, you know, it was a keeper on the inside zone read by Clifford and Michigan got totally fooled by it. And it turned into like a 60 yard run for Clifford set up their first touchdown. And then the ensuing Michigan possession, they threw a pick six on a ball that caromed around, hit a bunch of players, got scooped up by a Penn state linebacker and returned for a touchdown. And you're sitting there. It's like, what the fuck? It's 14 yeah. to 13 Penn state. They've got one first down in the first half. And like Michigan has like outgained them like four yards to, to, to one, like a four to one ratio yardage wise. I mean, they're dominating the game. It was weird, but you know, eventually Michigan kind of asserted itself and ran away with the game. But the the, the stat to me out of this game, 418 yards rushing by Michigan. Look, huge respect to Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Those guys are legitimately good. The Michigan offensive line, legitimately good. I'm not going to deny that, but 418 yards rushing. That says as much about Penn State, like just not showing up for that game, not being competitive, uh, being just a disaster scheme-wise, whatever. That's ridiculous. I mean, so I I guess I'm just skeptical of this win for Michigan. And there have been a lot of people that are like, oh, what a huge win. I mean, Michigan's for real. And maybe they are, and maybe I'll end up eating these words. But Penn State, you stink. And and (laughs) frankly, get the fuck out of here, man. Exactly. But again, it comes down. it's, It's an overall indictment of just how bad the Big Ten is. God, the offense outside of Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah. And, you know, like the one thing, and you're starting to hear it a little bit, like the narrative, like, well, we haven't really played anybody either. And it's true. That's I true. Mean, fucking Notre Dame is terrible. Yeah. Right? And, oh, my you know, God. So it's hard to completely control the schedule. That's but, true. You know, like, it's it's just, I don't know, man. It's it's kind of disappointing. And it's no fun beating these teams 59 to zero every weekend, right? Like you kind of want to see a little bit of a game or at least be somewhat 
effing competitive and nobody is. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a down year for the Big Ten. I, 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 I do not expect Penn State to finish in the top 25. I think they're going to completely collapse. No shot. And they started. They, they started the season unranked and for good reason. And I think this was a – they were a paper tiger. I think they were a fraudulent top 10 team. But I, that doesn't mean I don't think Michigan isn't legitimately good. I, I definitely think they are. But I definitely have my questions. I do. Just as I have my questions about Ohio State. I mean, look, I mean, we're a fucking disaster at cornerback. And I don't think it takes, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers to, to be a threat to us throwing the football because of how bad our cornerback play is. So we better get that shit fixed. Uh, I mentioned that on Sunday's, uh, you know, recap pod. All right. There was one other huge game. I just want to get your take on here, guys, before I let you go. Um, the the, the Alabama-Tennessee game. Man, what a game. That was one of the best games I've seen in the last five or six years. PBH, let me kick this to you. What did you see out of that game that stood out to you? I mean, just a ton of scoring, obviously. Um, well, great quarterback play. I mean, yeah, man, I give it to Bryce Young. That dude, he's tough. Magician. Magician. Dude. And dude, he took some hits. Oh, yeah. He's not that big. And he popped right back up, man. I, I was impressed with him uh, wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, the other interesting part is, you know, their best offensive player out of Bryce Young is that guy Gibbs, who's a transfer. Good running back. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's no nobody they recruited. And their best offensive player two years ago was, we all know, uh, triple distilled, Sloaner's <laughs> favorite. So it's kind of interesting, you know, like Alabama, why, why can't you recruit these kids yeah. and develop them? Like what's going on there? Um, I, you know, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, is Tennessee truly a top five team? I mean, shit, I think they're ranked two now in some, or, you know, or whatever. I mean, they're definitely top five. I don't know if I'm, you know, smelling Tennessee that much, but it was a hell of an entertaining game. Yeah. Uh, not a whole lot of defensive played defense played. No, but Alabama doesn't look like, you know, they look like a shell of some of the typical Bama teams that we're used to. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I think so. CP, what, what did you see from that game? And, and, and what are you seeing from Alabama this year? This is standing out to you. You know what? I'll be honest with you guys. I, I didn't get to see it. Um, then make it up. Just make it up. <laughs> I'll just make it up. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. You know, I'm like the, that. Would have been an electric place to be, like oh Rocky God. Top. I mean that uh, the pregame. This guy, like the boats. Like I love uh, the, the, all the big boats tied off. Man, that's that's legit. I did see that. However, I did not see the game. Oh, okay. Um, All right. I, but I thought, well, you know, as I was listening, I thought like, well, this is what's going to happen. You know, like, who was it that beat like, uh, should have, oh, Texas. Texas should have beat them earlier. Like, the yeah, they did. The yeah, they were very fortunate and that, they, you know, that they won Quinn Ewers went that, down. That, uh, so I was like, oh, here we go again. Alabama's going to win the fucking field goal, you know, at the very end of the game. And I like, when I found out, I was just ecstatic. So, you know. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I think that quarterback for uh, Tennessee's legit. Hendon Hooker. Yeah, a lot of people think he's pulled into the lead for the the Heisman at the moment. Uh, you know, C.J. Stroud's going to have his opportunities, namely against Michigan, to to kind of make his Heisman case. I was really yeah. impressed with him. Um, I think uh, there's good reason to question what we're seeing out of Alabama. I mean, this is the third. Uh, you know, subpar performance we've seen out of them. They could have very easily lost the week before against AM. They could have very easily lost against Texas. They were very fortunate that Quinn Ewers went down in that game. Um, you know, I, I would be foolish 
to count out Nick Saban and Alabama still controls its own destiny, as they say. They can still win the the, uh, the uh, SEC West and get to the SEC title game. Would that surprise anybody if they pulled it together and and did that? No, of course not. But I think there's a good chance they could lose again because what are they after Bryce Young's wizardry? To your point, PBH. I mean, he's been a, a wizard for them. I mean, a miracle worker for them. And, um, you know, they've got a, a, a date at Ole Miss. Uh, they would presumably then have to get through, I guess, Georgia and or a, a rematch with Tennessee in the SEC title game. So uh, very interesting to see how things play out with Alabama. Uh, Tennessee, yeah, I'm not sure uh, defensively they're going to have enough to make it through the, an SEC schedule. They actually have to travel to Georgia. So they got to go yeah, through Georgia. Say, when is that game? Yeah, I think early November that game is. Actually, let me check okay. their schedule. Yeah, so uh, it, it really is all about uh, that game. Although they are going to have to play a pretty good Kentucky team. Now they get Kentucky at home the week before that matchup with Georgia. The Kentucky game is October 29th. They play Georgia November 5th. They finish with Missouri, South Carolina, and then Vanderbilt. Now they they can get through these next few weeks. They play UT Martin. Well, uh, and, this week, uh, do they play um, Saturday? Who do they play Saturday? UT. That is the most epic, uh, you know, letdown down game in the <laughs> yeah. history of the world. They're, Knoxville is still probably intoxicated. Oh my god! <laughs> well, that's the other story, right? The the fans rush the field. They rip down both goalposts. They march one of the goalposts out through the stadium. Uh, you know, the administration, the cops, everybody just kind of lets this happen. They're marching down the streets. They throw the fucking thing into the river. And then the best part after that, the best part of that is then the University of Tennessee Athletic Department starts a goddamn GoFundMe for new goalposts. Are you kidding me? You're an SEC team. What is your payout just from the television revenue alone? Like 70 oh, million? Dude, those Give overall me. hicks started throwing money at that. <laughs> dude, I don't care. I'm going to pay my alimony. I'm going to buy them a new goalpost. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last time I checked, it was they were up to 40,000, I mean, are they you joking, Tennessee? We don't give them some money for a new goalpost. Get that shit, bitch. I, I mean, bucks. the amount of money that they make at a program like Tennessee, the fans could tear the goalpost down after every game. They could totally afford that. I just thought it was such a joke that they started a goddamn GoFundMe for that. Anyway, hilarious. I loved it. I loved every single minute of it. It was highly entertaining. But, you know, hey, it's October. Halloween's right around the corner. Would we be surprised if, you know, Alabama pulls a Jason Voorhees, comes back from the dead and just slays everybody and wins the SEC? No, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. And they do have probably the best player in college football. All due respect to Ohio State. All due respect to C.J. Stroud. Man, Bryce Young is a wizard. A miracle yeah. worker, and he single-handedly is keeping Alabama, you know, in the playoff race. All right, fellas, listen, I know you both have to bounce. Thanks so much for making the time. I'm going to let you guys go. I'm going to be back on Sunday for a recap of the Iowa game, and then I'm going to hit you two clowns up again middle of next week to have a look at the Penn State game. been listening to the south stands a buckeye football podcast you can follow us on twitter instagram and facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com